And one of the things that maybe they would have had a principle of is, I will trust God even when I don't understand. Right? They can hold that principle because God is creator. He's LLP, but he's also intimate. So it's easy for them to say, I can trust God even when I don't understand. But we see, right, the story of Genesis, that the enemy comes in and he tries to push up against these principles. And he tries to plant this seed that you cannot trust God when you don't understand. Because there were certain things in the garden they didn't understand. Not much. But then just this truth about knowledge of good and evil. And because they did not understand that, Satan used that to his advantage and said, can you really trust God? And we see that Adam and Eve sinned. And that's why we are born into this broken world, because sin was a part of the story. And we see that because of sin, they were separated from God to a certain extent. They were not able to be a part of that same creative process the way that they were before, or to see God as intimately as they were before. So now we see this little bit of separation that's happening. So we have these principles that were created in the garden. I would call these some heavenly principles. But then there's worldly principles that begin to develop because of sin, because of trying to make sense out of things. So at one point there was, I will trust God even when I don't understand. But then the negative principles came in, I will not trust God because I don't understand. So out of these principles became more and more principles. And these things just birthed into two different, almost like a dichotomy of principles. Where one of them is trusting in God and all that he says he is, and the other one is not trusting in him. Because you don't fully understand. So this is why it's so important to see kind of from the beginning that we all have certain principles we live by based off of beliefs. This happened to Adam and Eve, and it happened to the children of Israel. You see that over and over again, that they are challenged with what principles they will practice and what beliefs they will hold. We see that in the beginning of Genesis, they started off in paradise with God, but ended up in prison almost, always under oppression, under some governing force, or even worse, sometimes their own selves. They were not content. They weren't happy. They were going after things that were not satisfying, but ultimately they should have been going after God. We see the story chapter after chapter in the Old Testament, book after book. And somehow it's clear in the scripture when we read that there has to be a savior. The story can't be complete here, that there was this, this oneness with God, but then now all the people are in oppression. There has to be someone who can come. There has to be something that can be done. And we see that Jesus enters the picture. Jesus is the one that they have been waiting for. Everything that they have been desiring is rooted in this person named Jesus. Because he is the son of God. And who he was was to take on the sin of everything that began with Adam and Eve and bring them to a place of triumph and victory. And not only that, holiness. They were supposed to be with God. So when we hear Mark 1.15, I want you to think about that story. Because it's just a brief, you know, uh, recap of Genesis all the way to the New Testament. Here Jesus is coming into the picture. And he says this. In Mark 1.15, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe in the good news. And I want you to think about that for a second. 
Because often we go into like the Sermon on the Mount, deeper in Matthew, trying to talk about Jesus and understand his ways. But before Jesus even got to the Sermon on the Mount, this was his address. This is what he wanted to tell people. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is an important message that we often don't talk about. But it was one of the first things Jesus ever said. He said the time is now. The people of Israel have been waiting for a savior, waiting for someone to stop their suffering. And Jesus is saying, now that I'm here, that's over. It's over to the extent that you know it. Why? Because the kingdom has come here. Something has shifted in the atmosphere. There's not the same circumstances going on anymore because my presence, the heavenly presence of the Son Jesus is here on earth. So when you hear these words, it might seem familiar, but back then, people weren't exactly sure what he meant. He told them that he was Jesus. We knew these things, but what does he mean by the kingdom of God? Matthew called it the kingdom of heaven. What do these things mean? And this is why Jesus said, in order to believe it, you have to repent and believe. Because what you know to be true, how you know the world works, is not the way the world works anymore. There's a new level of understanding, a new way of living life, new principles you have to adapt. So Jesus said there, there has to be a way that you do this, and the only way you can do it is repent and believe in the good news. Because his message that the kingdom is near is good news. And we see that in his um, addresses to the public. You see that in his interaction with his disciples, that he was what the kingdom is. And I just want to tell you four characteristics because this is how I feel. If that's Jesus' message, one of his first messages ever, I want to keep that message going. I want to make sure we understand what that is so we can step into it and put some of the principles that he's talking about into practice. Because that's what we're supposed to do. These principles and what the kingdom has come here is something that changes the way we live life. So I want you to think of these four characteristics. You're going to see them on the screen. I don't know if you take notes here or meetings yet, but I would encourage you to take some notes. I would encourage you to write it down because this is radical. I believe it will change your relationship with God. And I believe God is calling you to step deeper into relationship with Him by knowing these principles. So the first characteristic I want to bring to your attention is that it is an alternative. The kingdom of God is an alternative to the way that the world works. Jesus came into his life and his ministry talking about light and explaining how light is something that goes against the darkness. In fact, in John, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, the reason that happened is because the kingdom came. This is an alternative. When Jesus came, he brought the power of the kingdom with him, the power of heaven with him. So he's explaining to them that this is important that you see. There's now light that is shining in the darkness. You hear Jesus often talking about giving sight to the blind. Helping people who cannot see have vision for the first time. They're able to make pictures out of things they've never seen before. Because this is an alternative way of living. Having this relationship with God means you don't live the worldly way you used to. Because God is giving you an alternative. You are able to do things you weren't able to do before and think things you weren't able to think before because there's another option. 
And it's not just the one that you see in your face every day in the world. This kingdom is something that is above us. It's more powerful than us. It's something we cannot fully understand. So in order for us to step into that, we have to know an alternative. We do not stay the same when we step into the kingdom. We do not stay the same when we accept that alternative. But it's not just an alternative. That's the first characteristic. The second thing is that it is an inheritance. In scripture, we are called sons and daughters of a most high God. That means that the Father God is, is actually that, a father to us. And just like a father or mother would give an inheritance to their children, God does the same thing to us. He gives us an inheritance. So I want you to hear these words. These words. God is rich. And when people hear rich, and we say this a lot at Legacy, we think of monetary things, but that's not the only thing that God is rich in. God is absolutely rich in money, but he's also rich in love. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in hope. He's rich in joy. And these are the things that he's promising to give us that as an inheritance. Those same things that belong to us belong to God. Right? They belong to God and they belong to us. And God is supernatural. And we're going to get to that because that's our third one, but not yet. I'm going to stick with inheritance. But I want you to hear that these things that you're getting, they're not even just human things. They are above what you can ever think of or imagine. This inheritance belongs to you. In fact, it says in Matthew 16 that those who are his sons and daughters, those who call Jesus the Lord of their lives, they have keys to the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom. There's no greater access to God than having keys to the kingdom. And one of the questions that I would love to bring to our attention today is, are we using those keys? Do we realize that that's our inheritance? See, we hear things like, there are many rooms in my father's house. That's what Jesus said. But we have access to those rooms. Are we accepting this alternative? Are we stepping into our inheritance? But also the third thing, this, this kingdom of God is supernatural. It is supernatural. The beautiful thing about saying yes to Jesus is that it comes with certain perks and rewards. Like, I love that about Jesus. When you say yes to him, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. What greater gift than to have God himself want to dwell in you. He gave you those rewards. He gave you these things so that you can live life in an alternative way with an inheritance. But guess what? You are doing this supernaturally. If you have been trying to do this on your own strength and have failed, that's why. This kingdom that Jesus is talking about is supernatural. Meaning the spirit is the Lord of your life. We are made of Parts, body, soul, spirit. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. God does not want your body in charge of your life. So yes, when I'm craving all the things that my body is craving, I have to remember that that is not the Lord of my life, my body. My soul is not the Lord of my life, my mind, my will, my emotions. No, those have to come under submission to my spirit. We are spirit first. Meaning we should be hearing God before we do anything in our lives. We should be thinking about Him, doing things according to His plan and His purpose because we are supernatural. I'm not the kind of church 
nurse and help you fix it, but I feel it in the atmosphere. You don't know. I'm spirit first. I am spirit first. And that's the kind of thing that we have to say to ourselves. I am spirit first. And you tell your soul that you are a part of a supernatural relationship with God. You think on a higher way. You feel a higher way. You make decisions according to a higher standard because we have an inheritance, an alternative in the kingdom. That leads us being supernatural. And the fourth and final one, which is so important, is something that we learned out of our seminary, uh, or we can learn about it so much. It's this concept of already, not yet, when it comes to heaven. Most of us understand the not yet part of it. That we will not get there until we die. That's when we get to experience the beauty of what Revelation tells us, the beauty of what we hear from Peter, you know, that no tears will ever come from our face again, that we will be destroyed with priesthood. We hear all of these things. We hear it after we have lived our life. But the already is important because Jesus says here that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Right? The kingdom of God is close. So that means that there is already some of God's presence here in a way that will be like heaven. So no will be in its fullest. Only when we die will we get to see all tribes and nations of every tongue together the way our hearts desire. But we are supposed to see a glimpse of that here and now. Heaven is something to experience in the here and now. I love this. My coach, Amy Tucker, my mentor, pastor, friend. He always reminds me of these words. Our Christian walk is not just about getting into heaven. It's about getting heaven into you. And I want you to hear those words. Because experiencing God's joy, His peace, His love, His hope, is having heaven inside of you in the here and now. It's not waiting to get to a destination where you can finally have these things. No, it's having a glimpse of them here. Tasting and seeing that God is good here and not just waiting for the day that you take your last breath. The kingdom of heaven is an alternative, it's an inheritance, it's supernatural, and it's already not yet. And that's something, church, that we have to remind ourselves. Because in order to get these things, right, we have to understand a very important principle. Because this may be exciting, and you may be saying, yes, I want those things. I want to live a supernatural life. I love having heaven inside of me. If those things sound exciting, what you have to do before you get to this point is accept Jesus as your king. Because the only way the kingdom comes is if the right person sits on the throne of your life. Now, to be honest with you, there are so many things that sit on the throne of our lives that are not Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just me. But I'm sharing with you honestly and truth that I have seen over years and read about for centuries that people have tried to sit the throne of their lives with Jesus, but somehow, some way, something else ends up there. And this throne is the driving force of everything you do. So sitting on the throne of your life could be fear. Fear could be the driving force of everything that you do. It could be anxiety and worry. That's the thing that's behind you. It could be your parents telling you what to do and how to live your life. It could be your culture, your peers, your city, whatever it is that is governing you to do the things that you do. There is this desire to be governed, but it makes us so uncomfortable because every time we hear about somebody governing us, governing us it makes us uncomfortable because we think about being 
And that's what we have to understand, church. He wants us to place him high on the throne of our lives as king and deep from whatever is taking his place. The thing is, what is sitting on the throne of our lives that is not Jesus is very stubborn. Maybe again, not you, but what is sitting on the throne of my life sometimes does not want to get off because this throne has been in control for so long. You have been letting something else drive your life. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want me to be Lord, you have to accept the kingdom. I don't just become the Lord of your life and then you do exactly what you did before. And that's so important to understand. Because remember, when you accept the kingdom, it's an alternative. See, I did not get that when I became a Christian. I remember feeling like I was in love with Jesus. Like, in love with him. Like, I saw nothing else. And I remember thinking to myself, this is going to change my life forever. And I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. And then I went out into the world. And I felt good for a couple of weeks. And then time passed. And then challenges of life hit me so hard. And I remember thinking, God, this is not part of the point. I told you that I love you and that we're going to be one together. And then all of a sudden, these challenges are coming. I don't understand. And I remember thinking, my God, there's this certain principles that this world runs by that I don't agree with. And I don't know how to live here. And I don't know how to be the person you want me to be. And it does me be frustrated. So the best example that I can think of to get some type of relief is like leaving New York. I blamed it on my city. I said, it has to be New York. You know, they're crazy in New York. There's too many things coming on bustling. Like maybe I should be a monk. I should go away. I should be in the wilderness with you. There has to be something else. Maybe if I leave, I'll have the peace I want. If I leave, I'll have the safety I want. If I leave, I can be protected. I can feel your love. I can feel your care. And then God told me that I needed to serve my city and not leave my city. And I remember arguing with him again and saying, are you absolutely sure you didn't do something wrong in creation? Because I feel like I can't live this life here on earth. But he told me then, and he's still growing the seed, that you are having Wanting to reveal a kingdom to you, and wanting to partner with you, he wants to reveal 
reveal his plans to you. He doesn't want you to be curious all the time or confused. He wants you to ask him so that you can receive, to seek him so that you will find, to knock so the door can be opened. He's a God who responds. And this kingdom is something he wants you to live in. So what we've been doing at Legacy is having a series called Kingdom Mathematics. And basically, it, it says what the little subtitle is. It's a new way of doing life. It means that in the scripture, there are tons of ways that God explains to us how we should live our lives that are not in line with how the world tells us. So it's our responsibility as Christians to go to the Word, to hear what He says, to practice these principles, but not to neglect that God is a God who gives revelation. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who wants to tell you personally how to live your life. So we have to hold them both together. God's written Word and His revelation. God's written Word and His revelation. So when we go to the scripture and we see these principles, it's how much you have to actually live them out. God wants us to put these principles into practice, and the reason we have to put effort toward this is because it goes against everything we do. It goes against everything we You know, we often hear that sometimes things just the kingdom is upside down. It feels like it, but it's really right side up. The world does things upside down. So what do we do? How do we get into this place where we can say, God, we accept you. We accept you in your kingdom. We put you on the throne of our lives, and now we accept this alternative. We receive the inheritance. We will operate supernaturally, and we will forever focus on this already and not that part of the kingdom. Because this is what God is calling us to do as a church. When you guys are thinking about starting a church from the ground up, you're thinking about God building it. God building it. How irresponsible would it be not to put in the, the foundation of this church the values of the kingdom, the values of what is yours, what God wants to do through you. I say this so many times to people that I disciple, God doesn't have a body. Jesus no longer has the body here on earth that he has. You are his body. You are the one that he's calling to go to places that he can't get to in a physical sense. He wants to partner with you in kingdom work. And this is so important that we understand this because a lot of us may feel like that's just not me. Right? I don't, I, I just don't know if I can do all these things. The good news about these characteristics is that God can do a big part of what we do is say yes. We show up. We give ourselves access. We allow God to hand us the keys. I think it's very easy for God to hand us the keys and for us to move back and then fall to the ground. But that's not what He wants. He wants you to take ownership of what it is that He has called you to and utilize that in your everyday life. But church, the reason Jesus said you have to repent of belief is because this concept is hard. To see yourself beyond your human nature is not something that's easy. So what would it look like for us as a church to repent? To repent from the way we have been doing things. Repent from allowing something to sit on the throne of our lives. What does it look like for us to turn the other way, because that's what repentance means, to pivot in another direction and accept the strict path that Jesus called. 
look like to depend? And then what does it look like to believe? What would your life actually look like if you practiced these things? If you actually went to that place that Jesus was going to be If you actually took the time on your day to really give to God. If you actually said to yourself, I'm going to operate in the supernatural even when I'm not sure of how to do that. What if you said, I'm going to put myself in a community of people who are prophetic, who understand the voice of God, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to be taught, and I'm going to understand what it means. What if you decided to take those steps? What if in a room when it's all quiet and someone asks you to pray, you actually believe the voice and believe that God is going what if you actually submitted all of your relationships, all of your plans, all of your dreams to God and allowed Him to be, allowed Him to take the wheel of your life? What would that look like? If you're like me, it's a little bit exciting. Scary, but exciting. And that's what the kingdom the kingdom is something to get excited about. What did Jesus say? It is good news. So when we are living in this place that doesn't feel joyful, it doesn't feel peaceful, we don't have the hope that God has promised. And you see, other people have. Perhaps we need to go back to this question. Are we living out the kingdom? Because that's what God wants. And I honestly want to share that word and get out of the way. Because I believe that God wants to do something in this space, in this time, in the here and now. And what he does is give you more of his spirit. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then that spirit is already inside of you. But if you are not a believer, you can say a simple prayer, have a, a simple heart posture, and God can come into your life right now. And the same inheritance is yours. It's not like you have to wait a year or two years for it to power up and love up. No, the power and majesty of Jesus Christ will be in you because your heart believes in Jesus. This is who God wants you to be. So wherever you are in that, whether you are accepting Jesus today, whether you are saying Jesus already in my life, I want you to think about more of the Holy Spirit. I like to say this. Just to put you a little pushback on that kind of girl. But also to help us understand the concept of how we live versus how Jesus tells us to live. It is not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It is not Father, Son, and Holy Paul. It is not Father, Son, and the Holy Church. It is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We worship God the Father with all our hearts. We will worship Jesus to the end of the earth. Will we worship the Holy Spirit? And allow him to do what he also badly wants to do in your life. Because that's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit allows you to live out this king's life. So if you want that for yourself, I'm going to ask you to boldly place your hands out. Prayerfully, nobody's thinking about you, everybody's thinking about themselves. So we're not going to worry about judgment or any of those things. We're going to be honest. And if you want to receive this, I want to say a prayer over you. Because I do believe that God wants me to continue to share this message to new churches, to old churches, and to people around the world that are looking for what God has promised them. But haven't quite received it. Now is the time. 
So please put your hands up if you feel led. You can do that in any way you feel safe. And I'm going to say a prayer over us. And I'm going to ask you to do something. So this is a little bit of ministry time. I want you to focus on what you would be like if you believe this. What would your life look like? What would you say yes to? What would you say no to? What would you be obedient to? I want you to think of your 2.0 next level transformed self right now. I want you to imagine that picture. Hallelujah. Holy Father, we have these pictures in our mind of who you said we could be. God, but we know that everybody can say yes to you, but not everyone will. Not everyone will say yes to the kingdom. Not everyone will say yes to following you. Jesus, and what I love about you most is that you still died. You still took on the cross just to that song. And I'm so grateful for that, God. I pray today, God, that we will do what it is that you have called us to do. That those of us who are placing our hands out have seen a new version of ourselves. God, we see the transformed power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we are choosing to live audacious lives. Lives that promise an alternative, an inheritance supernatural encounter in an already not yet heaven. God, as we hold our hands out, may we receive our forgiveness. God, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone here who doesn't have a microphone, that we are so sorry, God, that we let other things sit on the throne of our lives. We are sorry we let fear govern. We're sorry we let the enemy in. We're sorry that so many times we disregarded your words and did our own thing. God, we are sorry that we ended up in this place. And I'm grateful, God, that that's enough. That that's all we need to say, that our heart is changed because of these words, Lord. That we can say we're sorry. And that's enough because of what you're doing inside. God, we do not have to come to you and beg you for forgiveness. We need to know you. You're a God that forgives, a God that loves unconditionally, and does not mean, does not forsake. So guys, we repent. I pray that as our hands are out, this is a demonstration of us releasing what it is that we need to release, but also a time for us to receive. Holy Father, what do we need to receive? What does it look like for each and every single one of us to have the power of the Holy Spirit even more in our lives? God, we pray for more power, more of the Holy Spirit, more of your power in the mind, will, and emotion right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we pray that you take complete control over our lives, that we wake up in the morning and ask to be filled with your presence. God, I pray that there's a shift in the hour. A shift in our bodies. God, I pray that right now someone does 
given us peace. And may we not back down. May every time we get discouraged, may another brother and sister remind us of these kingdom values that we have this inheritance, that we have this supernatural that we have heaven here and now. God, we thank you for this time and all that you are doing, not just in us individually, but through us as a church. We say all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.